God, there's just something incredible about hearing your word together. Well, we spur each other on when we hear your word and we challenge each other. And Lord, as Matt comes to share on uh, helping us grow our faith, helping us grow in our relationship with you, Lord, we really want to pray that we would take to heart what you are saying to us this evening. Lord, let your spirit speak to us clearly. And Lord, let us have open hearts to respond and do what you're calling us to do. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dane. Thanks so much uh, to the, all the young people who shared and for those who shared during the service. Um, I, I think that um, we've got uh, Ashley preaching next week. We've got Montana the week after that, Luke the week after that, and, uh, and we've got Dana the week after that. And I think we'll be okay for a, a series um, through for the rest of us. Um, if you have your Bibles, please would you open to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll read uh, together just now. But we're in the middle of a series on uh, discovering spiritual vitality and maturity um, and growing into that. Um, God's Word's pretty clear on this one, on uh, the fact that God wants us to grow in our maturity and God wants us to have a dynamic life with Him. We don't worship a God who's far away. We worship a God who's close by and uh, who loves us and who's active in our lives um, as you heard our young people sharing about how uh, there are times of just feeling dry and just feeling far away from God and just wondering if God's going to answer prayers. And, uh, and I was wondering why they were sharing. Is it only the young people who feel like that? Or do you sometimes feel like that if you're an adult? You sometimes feel like you're in this place of dryness with God or you feel like your spiritual life has just taken a bit of a slip on, on the ice and, uh, and you're kind of wondering you know, what's going on. You come to church, sermons are boring. Uh, when you're engaging in worship, when everybody else is engaging in worship, you're just wondering, when's this going to be over so that I can uh, go and have some hot chocolate afterwards? Um, but uh, God doesn't want that. God really wants us to have a deep, meaningful, powerful relationship with Him. When we uh, look at various texts that we shared last week, we've, we saw how even in the Scriptures, God's, God's kind of, He's leading us into maturity, and He wants us to grow. And so let's read together 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. We'll just read three verses that will set the stage for where we, want to have a, where we want to have a go tonight. It says, So put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, and envy, and slander. And, and it's, So let's summarize that. It's put away sin. Okay? Put away sin. And then he says this, Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Not earn your salvation, not become saved, not be okay with God, but to grow up in your salvation, which means that you can be immature in your salvation and you can be mature in your salvation. And it's God's intent that we would grow up into maturity. If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good, he says. So he's asking the question, have you tasted that God is good? Have you crossed that line of faith? Have you given your life to Christ as some of our young people shared of you and has been shared clearly tonight is, have you crossed that line of faith? If you have, God wants you to grow up into maturity. Part of growing into maturity is putting away the sin, and moving on uh, from there. When we read God's Word, it's clear that A, God wants us to grow into maturity. B, that uh, this vitality and maturity is also the natural order of life. Um, here, even in the building, we've got young people, we've got young adults, we've got the elderly, we've got, um, we've got adults with children, adults whose children have left home. And, and so right across, you can see the picture of growth if we just scan amongst ourselves. The next time you go to your garden and you have a look in your garden or somebody's garden, you'll notice that there are small plants and big plants. And you'll notice there are some with flowers and some with fruit. And that's because growth and maturity is the natural order. And God intended it to be like that. But something really beautiful happens in a church when God's people start to grow spiritually. 
And when you and I start to experience spiritual vitality and maturity, so the church itself starts to grow in vitality and maturity. And when the church starts to grow in vitality and maturity, people on the outside notice. People who are not part of church notice. They notice that there's a group of people who in their lives, there's something different. Have you ever heard people say that? Like, there's something different. That's because people are noticing vitality and maturity. And when people see spiritual vitality and maturity, people start to go, this must be true. There must be something real about this. This is not just a going to church for the sake of going to church. This is not just a tradition that people are doing. It's not something they do because they don't like watching carte blanche on Sunday night. But instead, this is something that's meaningful and powerful. Some real reasons why uh, we go into a place of spiritual dryness. And the number one reason that comes out is busyness. Busyness. Friends, the reality is that we are functioning at a level that we were not created to function at. So how many of you got your driver's licenses quickly? Please check. Thought there'd be more on this side. How many of you are driving? Forget driver's license. How many of you are driving? Yeah, okay. All right, so so yes, when you have a look at a, at, at a car, this is a, a little picture of, of what you're going to see if you're driving a car, right? Can you see that over there? Um, so this is what you're going to see. Um, typically, you're going to have a little little dial on the right-hand side. That's giving you your um, your speed, and this one over here is marked at 280 kilometers an hour. Uh, in the middle, you've got a big dial, and the big dial is um, the, um, the rev counter, okay? And you can't really see it over there, but this rev counter from about six and a half to eight, it's, it's, it's marked as red, okay? That's called redlining it, okay? Then on the left-hand side, this car's got a power output. If you see this, this picture while you're driving, you're driving a Bugatti Veyron, all right? This is what it looks like. This is the car. This is what it looks like. It goes over 400 kilometers an hour, and um, they don't really know how long it can go for that. It's never used up its whole tank of fuel because it burns out its tires before it finishes its tank of fuel. Tires haven't been manufactured yet to keep up with this car. That little rev counter is really important. Most production cars will average around four, okay? That means 4,000. It means that your engine is turning 4,000 times every minute. You want to guess how many times this car, not this one, this next one? How many times that car's engine turns? It's only a 1600, okay? So it's like one of these little baby cars, okay? That car's set to go 20,000 times. 20,000 times. They say at 22,000 times, the engine just stops working. It just, an engine can't work beyond that. It just, it's not... The, the, the fuel that goes in, is not, it's not possible for the fuel to burn efficiently enough at 22,000 times. The engine's just like, ah, ah, I'm done. Now, here's the thing. You and I, we've not been created to be like that. But we're functioning at that. And so life is so busy and we're living at such a frenetic pace. And, and you know what? It's not, it's not just the adults. It's, it's not just the young adults. It's not just students. It's not just people at school. It's all of us. We all live at such a frenetic pace that the question I get asked the most after a sermon like I'm preaching tonight is simply this. I don't know where I can fit time in. I want to spend time with God, but I, I don't know where to do it. I don't know how I'm going to fit that in. I'm awake at 
five o'clock in the morning. If you're at school, I'm awake at five o'clock in the morning and then I go to sports training and then I start school. And then school goes all the way through until about two, half past two, and then I start sport. That's the first sport that I play. Then finishing that practice, I go to the second sport. I get home at seven o'clock at night and then I have to start my homework. And I work from seven o'clock until 11 o'clock and then I go to bed again. And then I wake up again the next day at five o'clock. And we're going, really? These are our children? These are our children. What are they going to be like when they, when we were running around and climbing trees, the older generation when there were still trees, real ones, that, that generation when, when, we were, when we were running around climbing trees in the afternoon, our kids are playing sport and doing homework. And if we are as busy as we are now, can you imagine what they're going to be doing one day when they are our age? It's a very scary thing. And so what happens is the enemy just clutters our lives. We think that because we have laptops, we can work outside of the office. But all that does is it, it, it requires us to sit on our bed at half past 11 or 12 o'clock at night with a laptop on our, on our laps, working and checking emails and present, doing presentations for the next day. It's not meant to be like that. We have smartphones that make us dumb. And all we do is the very last thing that we do before we close our eyes at night is check Facebook and perhaps the news and, and check the email. And if you're working in an international company that spans across the globe, you've got people from, from, um, from the USA emailing you when they wake up, which is like in the middle of your day. And when you want to go to bed, they're only hitting peak day. And then you've got those on the other side of the globe who are going to bed and want you to answer questions at any time. And so we do. And we have our phones that just beep all the time. Friends, we are too busy. And so don't be surprised when you reach a place of not only spiritual barrenness or dryness, but when you reach a place of marital barrenness and dryness, when you reach a place of relational barrenness and dryness, and you wonder, where are the deep friendships that I have? I don't have any. We're too busy. And so somewhere along the line, we've got to, we've got to carve out time where we're going to focus on the things that really matter. That's so important for us to do. Bill Hubble says this in his book, Too Busy Not to Pray. He says, busyness is the arch enemy of spiritual authenticity. Friends, if you want to have an authentic, meaningful relationship with God, that's the one that we've got to deal with. There's a couple of others that give us, that bring us into barrenness and, and their lack of prayer, lack of response to God's promptings, lack of church involvement, lack of commitment, church hopping, and also a pessimistic attitude. Friends, these can be really tough. Um, these things, they can, they can rob our vitality from our walk with God. But I just want to hit one of them, and that's promptings from God. Sometimes we'll come to church. In fact, not sometimes. Every time you come to church, every time you, you open your soul to God and say, God, would you speak to me? Every time God is going to lay some kind of prompting on your heart. And you might go, well, I don't sense that. I'm going to explain to you how he does. The way that God speaks is, not the way we do when we pick up our phones and we talk and then the other person talks and if we don't like what they're saying, we keep on talking. And so now there's two people talking and nobody's listening, right? That's not how it works. The way that God speaks to us and brings promptings to us is, you know when you see those truckers and they've got those little radios, the little ones, and, and then you speak and the way that you speak into that radio is you press the button and when you press the button, the other person can't speak, okay? So you press the button and you're like, over and then the person knows what you're saying they totally know what you're saying on the other side and then they respond back and and, and then and then they go over and then you respond and you go over and so you have this conversation what i found is this how it works with god god prompts you and then waits for you to respond until he prompts again 
God will say something to you and wait for you to respond on that until he says something again. God is not going to be going, hey, I want to just you know, convict you of the sin in your life. Or I just want to encourage you to spend more time in God's word. He's not going to do this. I encourage you to spend more time in, in the word. Oh, and also I want you to take up this new job. Oh, and also I want you to do this great thing in your life. And also all the way to the end, I want you to gather the whole of South Africa together in Bloemfontein for a prayer meeting. When you haven't done number one. You have to do number one for God to trust you with what's at the end of the promptings. And so God says, you know what? There's an attitude in your life that needs to change. And as you respond to him and go, God, you're right. Please would you forgive me? I want to deal with that. Then God continues with the next thing. and He's going, hey, I want you to spend some time in my word. And why don't you just go for like the book of Joshua? And you start reading Joshua and you're responding again. And now as you respond in that, God starts encouraging and you're going, gee, this is incredible. I just feel like God is speaking to me through this. The reason why is because of what you've responded over here. Sometimes God will put you into a place of barrenness just to cement what he's told you. And this is what happened to Jesus. Jesus gets led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And then the enemy comes to Jesus and he says this to Jesus. He says, if you are the son of God, turn these rocks into you know the story? Those of you who know the story? Turn these rocks into bread. Do you think it was about hunger? Really, do you think it was about hunger? No, it, was, it had nothing to do with hunger. What was the very last thing that God said to Jesus before he went into the wilderness? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Along comes the devil one sunny day. Hey, if you are the son of God, turn these rocks into bread. Do you know what it was about? It was about getting Jesus to doubt or prove to another that he was the son of God. And sometimes God will allow us to go through a place of barrenness or a wilderness experience simply to cement the last thing he told us. So consider the promptings of God in your life now. What's the last prompting God prompted you with? Maybe it was something he laid on your heart saying, this is you. Or he's saying something to you like, I want you to trust me in this area. Or this is an attitude you want. I want you to adjust. This is a habit I want you to break. This is a sin I want you to repent of. And, and until you do that, God's going to be silent. And if you respond in that, then God answers again. And so what sometimes keeps us in a place of barrenness or dryness is not responding to the promptings of God. Now, there are four practices that will really help you when you're in a place of dryness Moving into a place of vitality. It's, it's spending time in God's word. We dealt with that last week. It's prayer. We're going to talk about it tonight. And then it's relationships and generosity, which Pierre's going to deal with next week. So let's take a look at prayer, which is a little bit obvious. I want to be really practical as we have a look at this one. And we want to ask this question. How do I practically rethan the flame of prayer? You see, here's what happens. is like, if I had to say to you tonight, hey, everybody, this is what we're going to do for the next 10 minutes. We're going to pray. Some of you would be like, woohoo! Some of you are like, oh, oh, that is a long time. Ten, ten whole minutes to pray. Yeah, I hope I'm in a group with, and then I go, please split into a group of four. And you get into a group and the other three people, they're not praying anything. And you're like, click, 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 click. And no one's praying anything in the group. So we're talking about how do I, how do I fan this into flame? In 1535, Martin Luther the great father of the Reformation. Now, what happened is that the Catholic Church had a bit of a slip in its theology in the 1500s. 
Right? And so Martin Luther discovered some stuff that was like incompatible with God's word. He started reading God's word, and at that point, people didn't read God's word. It was only kept for certain church officials to read. So he started reading God's word, and he discovered there's some things that are incompatible, the teachings of the church, with God's word. And so he said, hey, guys, I've got some issues. Out of that, the Protestant Reformation took place, and every church that's not a Catholic church um, that is in the Protestant movement came out of that. Martin Luther um, started a church in Germany, and it becomes known as the Lutheran Church. So Martin Luther, this is this hardcore guy who spends copious amounts of time in God's Word. One day he's getting a haircut, and, he say, and his barber says to him, So, Brother Martin, um, what do I do to, to just have a vibrant prayer life? Very interesting question. Martin Luther starts to talk to him, and eventually it becomes a little book that Martin Luther will write. This is what he says. First... When I feel that I've become cool and joyless in prayer. Have you ever felt cool and joyless about prayer? Yeah, three of us. Yeah, the, uh, the rest of you guys, it's okay. Next week's sermon will be for you. But for the three of us, it's sometimes we're like cool and joyless in prayer. Now watch what he says. Because of other tasks or thoughts for the flesh and the devil always impede and obstruct prayer. In the 1500s, 1535, the guy's too busy to pray. He didn't even have DSTV. This is what I do. I take my psalms. I hurry to my room. And as time permits, I say quietly to myself, and word for word, the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and some psalms. And I use them as flint and steel to kindle a flame in my heart. First time I read this, I was like, geez, that, that's, that's incredible. And I started to practice it for myself. And friends, I just want you to know, when you find yourself in a place where you're just dry or barren, or you feel cool or joyless towards prayer and you sit with the Lord's prayer and just say it over again and consider what it means and, and go through the creeds, the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. If you don't know what a creed is, it's, it's basically the statements of belief, what we believe as believers. And read through the Ten Commandments again. As you read through that, something happens. We start to remember what you believe and you remember why you're here and you, you remember the God that you're praying to and you remember who He is. And your heart starts to burn within you again for prayer. So number one, practically, how do I get this? Create space for prayer. Create space where we can pray. Time for reflection and solitude for listening. Gordon MacDonald explains it like this. He says, if you want to create place for prayer, then what you should be doing is this practice, the practice of journaling. Okay. Now, journaling is not just for girls. Okay. This is not something just girls do a little pink book with a little lock and every day you open it up and you're like, dear diary. And you write, today, Jack looked across the room. Oh, my heart was thumping within my chest as he looked at me. And then I realized actually he was looking at his friend George next to me asking for the tippics. <laughs> That's not what, what, what we're talking about. Journaling is this. It's, it's being intentional and reflecting on your journey and what has happened. So go and get yourself a book. Don't, don't go to like a bookshop and buy yourself a 300 Rand leather bound journal. Just go and buy yourself one of those, the, the black exercise book with the red spine. You know, the cheap one, like seven Rand. Go get yourself one of those guys. Open it up and start with this word, yesterday. That's it, yesterday. Yesterday, I had these meetings. Yesterday, I met with these people. Yesterday, I had to make these decisions. Yesterday, I had these feelings while I was making these decisions. Yesterday, I got so frustrated. Yesterday, a customer slammed the phone down on me, and I, was, I wanted to go and kill him. <laughs> Maybe you don't, if you are going to kill him, don't write it in there. But, you know, 
that always comes back to get you. I've seen enough CSI movies to know that. It always comes back. But you want to just write in there how you feel. And then what you want to do is you want to consider, why did I feel like that? God, why did that happen? God, why did that happen? And God, in that meeting, why did I feel like I was humiliated in front of the directors? And so you're starting to create space. The daily examine is another way that you can do this. And this is not spelt wrong. This is, this is examine the noun, not the verb. And so Ignatius, one of the early church fathers, this is what he suggested is you, you come to a place where you, you first of all become aware of God's presence, silent, aware of God's presence. Review your day with gratitude, being grateful for what God has done in your life that day. Pay attention to all of your emotions during the day and choose one feature of the day and pray from it. One feature. It might be an experience you had with, with someone in the street. It might be an experience you had with a friend or a family member. It might be some experience you had with part of your career for the day, that tough case that you had to deal with, the tough subject you had to deal with in class, and suddenly you got it, and you want to pray through that. God, thank you that you helped me. Thank you for opening my eyes. God, thank you for showing me um, more of yourself. And then look forward to tomorrow, what God can do. If God can do this today and yesterday, what can God do tomorrow? It is said of Martin Luther that before he went to bed every night, he would make a list of everything that he learned during the day. Everything he learned during the day, he'd write it down. Because he was like, I don't want to forget what I'm learning. And so he'd write those things down. Bill Hubble says once he started doing this, he took another step. And that is, he started to write down his prayers. And so he'd write down a prayer. After considering the day, he'd write down a prayer. And now the good part about this is if you're writing down your prayer, you could really focus on what you're praying. Because you're not going to mumble. Like, you know, you're going to be very focused on what you're praying. Also, once you've written down your prayer, you've now got a record of what you're praying for. And you can see what God has done and how he's answered those things. Now here's the trick. Some of you are like, okay, give me a pen. I'm going home and I'm going to start writing. Your fingers are tingling because you're wanting to start writing. The rest of you are like, uh, yesterday. Okay. The goal is this. Limit it to one page. Don't, don't write more than that. Limit it to one page. Just keep it at one page. Some of you are going, where can I get a very little book? <laughs> Limit it to one page and start there. Remember that busyness is the arch enemy of spiritual authenticity. And if you want to grow in your prayer life, you have to work out a way to carve out space for prayer. You've got to find a space where you can slow things down. Second one that you can do is to practice the daily office. And this means to set aside time, specific time, to be aware of God's presence. St. Philip of Neri said this, It is an old custom of the saints of God to have some little prayers ready and to be frequently darting them up to heaven during the day. He who adopts this plan will obtain great fruit with little pain. What he means is this. Throughout your day, there are some regular occurrences. You commute to work. You commute home from work. Some of you wait for the children to come out of school. Some of you have a meeting every morning. Some of you have meetings regularly through the day. So you start a meeting, you end a meeting. Some of you are allowed to take an hour lunch break. Some of you have a tea break. Some of you, you're at school. Your subjects are split by the bell ringing throughout the day. And your day begins and ends at a specific time. Then you have sports practice. So, so what he's saying is this. Have specific prayers that you praise. You sit down to that subject. God, would you help me to concentrate? God, you're the one of all knowledge. Would you help me during this session? Boom. Standard prayer. You're going to pray at the beginning of every single period. Perhaps you have business meetings where you're a sales rep. And as you go into those meetings, your prayers, God, I'm doing this. I'm doing this to 
A, to, to provide for my family, but God, I want to be a good example for you. So God, will, will you help me to reflect you in this meeting? And would you help me to be honest? And would you help me to communicate clearly the product to this person who I'm speaking to? Standard prayer that you're praying. Lunchtime, maybe you want to focus on praying for the family. When you're on your way to school, maybe you're praying for your parents or maybe you're praying for your children. As you wait for your children to come out of class, maybe you want to pray for the rest of your family. But you've got standard prayers that you're praying, short, powerful one-liners. Here's one that I pray. It's out of Ephesians. It says this, May God give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know Him more in your inner being, so that you may know the full extent of His love, the height, the depth, and the breadth of the love of Jesus. And that for me has just become a, a standard one-liner prayer. When people say to me, Matt, will you pray for me? They phone me. Hey, Matt, this is happening. Will you pray for me? I, I can't put on the phone and say, all right, I'm going to pray for an hour for that person. Because if I start praying, someone's going to walk into my office. But as I put down the phone, my prayer is, God, would you give to this person a spirit of wisdom and revelation that they might know you more in their inner being? One-liner, just darting it up. You can use praise of confession during this time. You can use praise of worship and gratitude. Guys, we live in the 21st century. We can have a worship team in our pocket. And so get some worship teams in your pocket. Get some earphones. Put them in and worship. And allow God to stir your soul through worship. And as God stirs your soul, start to pray back to Him with gratitude and thanks and worship. Seeking guidance is another one where you can just shoot up, God, I need guidance in this one. You're going through a season where... You're needing guidance for the next chapter. There's a job offer on the line. There's, you've got to choose subjects. You've got to, and, and you're just going, God, would you, would you direct me? Lord, your, will, your word says that if I present my body as a living sacrifice, that you will, you will direct me. I'll know how to discern your will. Quick ones. Next one is praying with the Bible and, and praying the Bible. See, praying with the Bible means this. I take Psalm 23, and I read through Psalm 23, and I'm going... The Lord is my shepherd. God, thank you that you are my shepherd. Thank you that uh, as my shepherd, you uh, care for me as a shepherd cares for sheep. I will not want. God, I'm thank, you. I thank you that I don't have to want. And I praise you, God, that you know what I need before I even need it. And you're already making provision for that. Or you can pray the scripture. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death through this cancer treatment, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they will comfort me. You see that? So you're praying with the Scripture, and you're praying the Scripture at the same time. Friends, if you spend time praying without God's Word, it's a one-sided conversation. But if you spend time with God's Word while you're praying, you can see God speaking to you at the same time. Otherwise, you're just doing all the talking, and you're not listening to anything that God is saying. What about this one over here, number four, is praying for others? This is intercession. This is where I pray for you and you pray for me. Not because of any other reason except I'm praying that God would stir our hearts and God would work in our lives. Maybe you're praying for that family that sits next to you in church or in your small group or you work with or, or your family. You're praying for provision for them or you're praying for salvation. There are many things you can pray for. And the Bible says that when we pray, we need to pray prayers of faith, James says. And faith means this, that I know that God exists and I know that He can and I know that He will. And so I'm going to pray. I know He can, I know He will, and I know He's able. God, please would you move in these people's lives. So Luke sharing like, hey, God, I'm praying for my brother. I'm praying for my brother. God, why is he praying for his brother? Because he think God can't answer? No, because you know that God can answer. That's why you do it. Maybe sometimes we don't pray because we don't think God can answer. But if you're praying for somebody knowing that God can answer, God's word is pray, prayers of faith. If you don't, you're kind of being tossed around all the time. But focus in and trust God. Last one is pray with someone. If you want to fan into flame this area of your life, prayer, 
one of the best ways to do it is to pray with someone. Even if you say to somebody, hey, could we pray on, on a Wednesday morning, they work with you on a Wednesday morning before work, could, could we just pray for 15 minutes together? Because as you do that, you learn how to pray. And some of their faith rubs off on you. It's, it's like when you start a new hobby or you start a new sport, you go find someone who's doing it already and you go and do it with them. And as you do it with them, so you learn how to do it and you get really excited about doing that thing. So I pray with others. So how do we challenge ourselves tonight and how do we respond? Here's question number one. How's God been prompting you tonight? How's He been prompting you? Perhaps God's been prompting you on this one over here tonight as you listen to our young people speaking and as you heard testimonies tonight. Perhaps your, the prompting from God was, you know that I exist. You know who I am. Now, would you put your trust in me? Would you confess your sins before me? And would you come and hand over the keys of your life to me and let me rule your life? In other words, would you be born again tonight? Would you give your life over to Christ? There's a prompting. For some of you, that prompting might be different. It might be, I need you to sort out that relationship. I need you to change that attitude. I need you to change that habit. Maybe that's you tonight. But what's the prompting God's been saying to you? Perhaps the prompting is a word that God gave you. And you read your, your Bible a couple of weeks ago, and there was this verse that just stuck out for you. And you're like, man, that's, that was a powerful verse for me. And God reminded you of that tonight. God wants you to remember that for a reason. Go write it down. Now, as God reminded you of that, there's two responses. The one is, I'm going to respond to God and say, God, uh, you have been prompting me and I want to respond on that one tonight. And the other one is, tell somebody. When you tell somebody, it kind of formalizes it. It, 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 it takes it out of the realm of being hidden and, and now you've told somebody about it. So that might be your spouse, it might be a friend, it might be somebody else who's um, spiritually a bit more mature than you are further away down the road and you want to tell them. Guys, a great way for all of us to respond on this. If you want to learn about prayer, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock here at the church. Great way. Coincidentally, this is the week of prayer in our church. And so for you, it might be, hey, I'm going to come in on Wednesday night and I'm going to be with other people who want to pray. I want to be with other people who can pray, who desire to pray. So I want to come in and I want to be part of that. I want to fan into flame this area of prayer. So that my life can be a life that reflects spiritual vitality and maturity. Let's bow our heads together and we'll close out. Tonight as we wrap up. As you consider God's promptings, I want to give you an opportunity just to respond to Him. Maybe your response is just, God, I've been sensing this prompting and so... So God, tonight I want you to know I hear it and I'm going to act on it. This is the prompting I'm hearing from you. And it'll just be a gentle prompt. God, there's sin in my life. Please forgive me. God, tonight I want to give my life to you. Maybe that's you. I want to make a decision to walk away from sin in my life and follow you. Would you help me? But I want to pray for you if that's you. And so... If you're sitting on the right-hand side of the auditorium, you quickly raise your hand if that's you. You're like, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you, God. I hear you. I want to respond to the promptings of God. I want to respond to you, God. Yeah, God, thanks. If you're sitting in the middle and, and God's been prompting you and you're going to respond to him, I want to pray for you tonight. So you quickly slip up your hand. 
and on the left-hand side. Okay? All right? Father, as we've responded to you tonight, our desire is that we would reflect lives of spiritual vitality and maturity. And so, Father, I want to pray for my friends who've responded to you tonight. And I want to ask you, God, that it would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation so they may know you more in their inner being. That they may know the full extent of your love, Jesus. The heart, depth, and breadth of the love of Jesus. God, as they fall more in love with you, would you help them as they seek to communicate with you and talk with you and hear from you and be obedient to the promptings of God? God, may we be a church that reflects the vitality of our Savior, Jesus. So church, as we close out tonight, let's practice that prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray, the Lord's Prayer. If you don't know that prayer off by heart, just listen to the words. And if you do, let's pray this out with meaning tonight as we close out together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless everybody.